Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to this week's episode of The Nero Show. In today's episode... Are road cyclists getting into the Huberman health influencer bubble? Swift collaborate with Pinarello. What's our favourite cycling collaborations? We've got a bit of 2024 pro cycling chat. What are the teams been sponsored by? And why have I fallen out of love with Instagram? All right, let's get into it. Happy New Year, Jesse. Any, uh, any New Year's resolutions? Might I suggest a couple? Well, you know, list them out. <laughs> this could potentially lead into what I want to talk about. Okay. What's wrong with me? You need to start biohacking, Jesse. Oh, okay. You need to start following some sort of YouTube doctor's advice on how to, to get the most out of absolutely everything physically, mentally, spiritually that is going on with you because- Clearly, according to my YouTube feed, that is all that matters in life. Peter Atia and Andrew Huberman are telling me that this is what this is what I've got to do. I don't know. Do you, do you, it's it's you've, laughable. You, you've somehow left the cycling algorithm, and now you're in the middle-aged, health-conscious male bubble. I don't, they've really got you pigeonholed. I don't know how this happened. I, don't, I well, I I have a theory on how this happened. And it's this zone two thing because that seems to be the, the kind of parallel when it comes to cycling and this other world that is, and when I say out there, like how many, how many subscribers has Andrew Huberman got? Oh, it, it'd be it's millions. millions. He's, he's got like the top, th- I'm pretty sure his podcast is like top three in the world. And if you, re- like if you look at the, the titles of the, the shows or the podcasts or whatever, that you can kind of see how the link is there. Like it's nutrition, diet, and exercise. Uh, assess your mental health. Sugar and your health. Build a strong base, zone two. You're like, hang on, what, what sort of niche are you in here? <laughs> so I don't know. Do, do you have a, a take on this? Are you seeing any of this stuff with, with your athletes? Because I'm sorry, but this is... This is kind of a big deal. And I guarantee you that there's a percentage of road cyclists that are listening and watching this stuff and attempting to biohack their way through <laughs> training. I don't know. I, Jeez, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like it's, from what I've seen, a relatively small crossover. Once you go elite or somewhat elite in a sport or in a category, so in our case it's cycling, most of this content is pretty irrelevant to you because it's it's targeted towards someone that hardly does any exercise 
and is pretty much is more for a health conscious person. I don't think someone riding their bike 12 hours a week racing trying to build their FTP is taking advice from from the from like the yetiers of the world. It's a different it's it's aimed at different people. But look at the it? way this is presented. Even if you go to Huberman's homepage, it looks like beta fuel. <laughs> like it's branded like beta fuel. You're on there like this guest series with Andy Galpin improve assess and improve fitness, build strength and muscle, lose fat and build endurance. Like these are all things that cyclists want to do. And and the reason I bring this up is like yeah, this is in my feed. This is in my feed because this guy has 5 million subscribers. So clearly it's it's the mainstream way of of thinking. I I look at it more as entertainment. Uh, it's kind of like health porn of let's listen to a guy get a you know another expert on and just go absolutely way too deep on a sort of on the fringe topic like your vitamin K absorption and spend an hour and a half in there <laughs> just because it's I mean people must find it really entertaining to listen to uh, but again I, I don't feel like it's you know if it's someone that's listening to this show they're and they're training. I don't feel like it's relevant. But then there's that weird crossover because then they'll spend six hours in the weeds on zone two. But the people listening to that, the majority would just be non-cyclists. They'd just be semi-active middle-aged men. I, it, I, it's a whole – I don't get it. To be honest, I'm probably not the best person. I don't get it. I, what, I don't know. Okay, but what is it then about the zone two thing that this guy pushes and oh, I, I had to laugh during the week. I saw – Peter Atia, right? He's on there and he's he's showing us how he's doing zone two. As if this is he's unlocked the key to life, right? Now, I'm not gonna shame the bloke for whatever, but he looked just like a regular ass mammal sitting on a trainer tapping away. Like there was nothing special about looking at this guy. It, <laughs> that, that's this is where I get lost. Okay. Because I listened to his interview, I think it was with uh was, was, was it with Lance? And he, he said he only trains, he, he does like two zone two rides a week. And, and geez, they say zone two. It's got to be zone two. It couldn't be any other descriptive word. So it's, he does his like two zone two rides and then he does a bit of VO2, uh, VO2 max session. That's like his training. He looked like he was doing three, maybe four hours of aerobic exercise a week. Plus he does his strength training, you know, for an average health conscious person that's a great amount of exercise um i don't know why they're so obsessed with the details of zone two it sort of feels like there's a whole industry with the zone two stuff so he's he's pushing it um uh sam milan is pushing it as well it's like they've invented this I have. I don't know how. I, I seriously, I don't know how this got to be such a big deal. deal where you, 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 people will just started putting just zone two in anything. It's just if it talks slightly about training, just put zone two in, and for some reason it'll get four times the views. It just seemed. It just came out of nowhere. But that's probably where it's pulling out. It's, it, it, it's pulling the roadies into that because you watch one zone two video. And then you're in more of the health side of the spectrum, not the performance sports side of the spectrum. And then, yeah, then you're getting the human. I just wonder whether it pulls any of the random biohackers who are watching this stuff 
all five million of you watching this stuff and pulling you onto a bike. No, there wouldn't be a single mm. person who's gone Huberman, Dylan Johnson. Yeah. That, that it, link's it, not no, made. no okay. I, I could not imagine there is a single person on the planet that's done that. But the other direction, is there a Dylan Johnson person who's then gone, oh, I'm going to spend three hours on vitamin D? Yeah, probably. Um, I'm sure that's out there, yeah. The you said this before. Um, um, you said this before. Or is this just harmless kind of things? And like, yeah, probably. Like having someone rabbit on about sleep. There's probably some good bits in there. Maybe some things that makes you a bit neurotic in the long run when you listen to enough of it. But as a coach in performance road cycling. You do see some of the things creep in and guys will get sidetracked with really niche specific things that then are detracting from the bigger things which are more important to focus on because they've heard someone speak for three hours about, you know, as I said. Waking um, up and facing the sunshine yeah. for the first 10 minutes yeah, of your life. Yeah. Mm. Don't drink coffee for two hours and – when you wake up and um, this whole cold plunge thing, which is a guy, that's another probably thing. You watch one cold plunge video, I bet you're in a freaking bubble. So um, is it harmless? Yeah, it's good. I mean, the, being more health conscious is good. But if, if when you move from health to performance, but you're still really sidetracked with these kind of niche healthy things that aren't really impacting performance that much, I, I wish I could be. I had if I had done more prep, I would be more specific. I know I'm being quite general, but then yeah, you end up you can end up as a rider being quite distracted and a bit um yeah stuck yeah, in the weeds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just don't, I, I'm not in that bubble. I, I don't get it much of it. I don't listen. The only person sort of in that space that I listen to would be Joe Rogan, who there's often crossover in some of the episodes. Um, but besides that, I'm not really listening. Do, are you in the podcast? Well, are you I, like chewing through this stuff? No, no, okay. but that's like the, the Peter Atiyah stuff and Andrew Huberman, they, they, I guarantee you, if I scroll down my YouTube feed right now, oh, there'll be three or four of them. Right. They'll okay. be in there. I can't get rid of them. Mm -hmm. And I've consider myself to be pretty generic. There's probably a little bit of strength training in there, a little bit of sneakers, but it's mostly cycling based stuff that I'm watching mm -hmm. and yeah, there he is. Can't get rid of him. Interesting. Looking like beta fuel, wanting <laughs> me to click on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. While I got you on YouTube, uh, mm -hmm. I want to just talk about a few other bits and pieces, channels that popped up that I wanted to, to mention. Uh, I've talked about Mitch Boyer in the past. Um, he put a video up this week about his progression to be an above average cyclist, which i got to say I, I really enjoyed. Um, the – included a little bit of us taking the piss out of him for his steep street stuff. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Mitch. Um, but I, I kind of want to get onto that because so – and this maybe comes back a little bit to the biohacking thing because he he's he is the COVID baby, Jesse. He is a COVID baby. Literally picked the bike up mm -hmm. during lockdown because there was nothing else to do. Decided that this bike thing was okay and, like, the the curve is just – very neat and linear ever since then of getting more and more into this sport. And it's funny because partway through his 
his video and the, the journey he's on, he references this video from Mark Lewis. Again, like not, oh, not a cyclist in any way, shape or form. But it's, it's interesting that crossover again, mm-hmm. he took that bit of information about athletic performance and about where he would like to be on the curve mm-hmm. and sort of focused it onto his cycling and then he went further into YouTube and, and reaches out to Cam and the RCA and, and does his coaching down through that route. Like I find it, we'll, we'll talk about this maybe a little bit later, but like I find him a really great case study of the COVID baby and this progression that they are all on. Now, what are we, four years deep, mm-hmm. entering the fourth year deep of the COVID baby that's been trained? Where will they go from now? I was going to say, funny that you bring up Mark Lewis because – I was just about to say, Mitch looks like the road cycling Mark Lewis. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, because we're in road cycling, most people probably haven't heard of Mark Lewis. He's like the CrossFit, the average CrossFit dude, the middle-aged poster boy CrossFit, all all sport, all athlete kind of guy. And then, yeah, Mitch is doing the same thing, but for road. It's just like, how can I just be above average? Yep. Looks like he's. Taking that similar thing, and as we just spoke about with the the Huberman, that health content. It's a, so that's probably a that, that's a bridge that probably would bring there. Yeah, kind of like health content. I'm getting a I'm getting a road bike. Get a bit more into that, and then that could pull you in. Then maybe you do graduate to a to a to a Dylan Johnson, um, definitely. And that video he did is is it's three hundred fifteen thousand views in three days. It's really good, and I've seen I've seen so many of these. My journey videos. Well, I haven't seen them because I tend to watch the first minute or two of them and I'm bored of them. The reality is he's entertaining. Like he's funny. Every little there's there's cutaways to he it's I don't I don't want to paint a brush of him ripping off Mark Lewis, but one of Mark Lewis's tricks that he always uses is he cuts back to him f- videos of him failing. Like this in that classic shot of him like falling off the bike when he's trying to do Wiggins's uh, threshold and this this the same thing with Kipchobe's marathon and this sort of stuff and he cuts back to that to remind everyone what a Hubbard he is and Mitch does the same thing like he keeps cutting back to like him falling down these streets the steep streets and um, it's a really good entertaining way to tell the story basically so but it'll be really interesting to see what he does from here because like I said I think he is he kind of mirrors the COVID baby their journey where they're at so. We'll kind of see. We'll yeah, but are you interested heads. in following him as a COVID baby YouTuber or as a COVID baby cyclist? Oh, YouTuber. Yeah, the COVID. Yeah, sorry. Okay, <laughs> right. Because I thought you were kind of saying, well, where does he go with his riding? Well, that's you know, that's like, true. does he start racing? Does he do the Grand Fondo series? Does he go gravel? Because eventually you run out of segments to have a rip up, and you want to do something different. Um, which is probably the story that most people are interested to see is mm. where does he go as a rider, not where does his channel progress to? I will say I probably undersold one of the Steep Streets video he did, which was essentially a race report of, I think it was in San Francisco, I'll correct that down below, but uh, which the, the segments in the, the Fondo were all Steep Streets. And so even though he thumbnailed and clickbaited it as like a steep streets video, it was actually a race report oh, of a Fondo right. doing these steep streets. It looked pretty cool, actually. The other thing that I've noticed on YouTube is we seem to be back doing a couple of comparison videos 
comparison videos or at least trying to dig into the the weeds of the performance of some of the bikes. And we probably have done that as well recently. Um, I noticed NorCal was out racing a wind space up against his Cervelo soloist. I noticed Cade was in the wind tunnel with uh, the Scott Foil and the Scott Addict. Did you watch these takeaways? I watched both but skipped to the part I wanted. I didn't watch. I did the classic, you know, yeah. click on it. Okay, what, what's how many watts? How many watts are we talking? Um, I watched your B-roll, Jeff, just to let you know. I watched your <laughs> B-roll. All right, go on. The, the NorCal one was weird. I don't know how you take anything from the results. It was like one – Jeff was faster with the Lun wheels. The other guy was faster with the other wheels. It, there was I don't I don't know how you make anything from those results other than they were relatively close. But they were all close. I mean, Cade's one in the wind tunnel with the addict and the foil was was close. I noticed they're they're a kind of selling point well point of difference to their video to a lot of other wind tunnel tests, and we'll get to our stuff in a second. Was that they lowered the speeds? So the speeds are I think thirty k an hour. Yeah. yeah. So bringing it down to a more, I suppose, relatable metric. Well, it's, it, which is good because, I mean, it's tempting to do it at 50K an hour and say there's 40 watts difference and it is more interesting on paper. You can put that in the thumbnail, plus 40 watts. But you're going in and being like, ah, speed the average person rides out, you know, splitting hairs. Okay. It's kind of <laughs> kudos for that, I guess. It's got to be super frustrating making, I don't know, I feel like it's got to be super frustrating making those videos and, like, I, I don't know what the expectation going in is going to be or whether you know that the outcome, I mean, the outcome's always going to be frigging close. Like, that's that's the reality of it. But what does that, like, what does that, where does that leave us? Do, do you have any take on this? I do have a take on that and also from... Now that the uh, our interview with uh, Robert from the Tour Magazine's testing's up, I'm I'm at capacity with X is faster than Y stuff. I'm just I really am like at the limit of it. So the only thing I really have to add is that after listening to it all and then trying to f- processing through, okay, if I was going to buy a bike next this year, uh, what you know what would I do? It all comes back to test riding, really. Because, yeah, you can go and look at Tour Magazine's testing and have a short list of ones you feel like are testing with a decent enough score. Between any of that, how do they ride? Do you enjoy riding it? Like, And the only way to do that really is test riding, and it's annoying because test riding is getting rarer and rarer and harder to do. But I would, I'm pretty much at that conclusion now that if I was going to buy something, I would ideally like to test riding it because it's pretty much the only thing left. I could take this a million ways. I want to start by saying, like, you did a lot. You did quite a bit of preparation into that interview with Robert. And I think both of us were really excited about, I I felt, I felt personally that we were going to get a gotcha moment out of it, Mm. that there was Mm going to be this, yeah, you know what I mean. Yes, yeah, a real nugget that you just go, "Holy crap!" A, a real, yeah. a real, real. Yeah, yeah. 
it, it, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I was expecting it, but I was. It didn't happen. And I was, I've actually, obviously, we edited it, listened to it again a few times, and the more I listen to it, the more I come to the reality that I really appreciate that resource. I mean, we had a quick chat to Lantern Rouge about this. I have still no idea how they fund this thing. It's an amazing thing that it still exists. Whether it's state funded, I don't know what, but I love the fact <laughs> that it exists. Good on them. Now I'm in this position where I completely agree with you. When it comes to the metrics, you know, you know, Jeff can ride around Alviso crit with as many different bikes as he's got. It's not relatable to that time. That figure is not really going to move the needle for me. It's, it's all about the ride feel. It has to be at this point. There were some other rabbit holes with their testing, which I'm not going to get into, like people saying because the dummy doesn't have the upper body, or the results aren't as meaningful, or the drag is insignificant, because if you brought in the upper body, the relative drag of the frame would be much smaller. That kind of chat, which I just, I'm done with. Like, I, I, what I would say is that having them at least test the bikes objectively, whether you believe that the, those results marry up to how good the bike's going to be on the road, whether that's true or not, at least it's some way to keep the manufacturers honest. Yeah, it's a good point. At the end of the day, it's like they they know if they're a big brand, their bike's going to be put in a stiffness jig and it's going to measure the stiffness of the bottom bracket. So you can't go and make a sloppy bottom bracket because it'll be objectively tested and they'll know that. Same with the aero drag. You can't just make up some number because they'll, it'll be tested in a wind tunnel and people will be able to check it. So just from having a bit of um, support and a bit of pressure to make the brands continually try to produce better bikes, um, I think that's a good thing. At the same time, on a lot of the results where they compare, they've taken out the rim brake bikes. So when you're comparing stiffness to weight to the aero drag and the star rating system, it appears that the, all the rim brake bikes are taken out of there, which I don't agree with. You can still buy those rim brake bikes. They're still out there. So, you know, a Trek Madone rim brake with, that has like 203 watts drag should be in there. Which was Robert's bike, I might um, add. Yeah, so that's the one he still rode. I feel like that, the take saying, well, no one rides rim brakes, so we're going to take out those bikes and only put the disc bikes, you know, Something to say there as well, but at the end of the day, at least it says it. It's like you go and buy a, a, a washing machine. It's got the energy rating and the water uh, efficiency rating. Someone's tested it. Now, so that sort of thing helps at the end of the day. And I'm kind of yeah, I'll leave it there because I'm just I'm just yeah. It's if if my guys maybe my patience isn't good enough because these blokes spend. Years on forums going back and forth with this stuff. And I ended the day just go, ooh, okay. <laughs> testing. You don't need testing. That's that's what you need right there, ladies and gentlemen. In, at the end it's of the certified. day, we'll take a look at it. <laughs> we'll and slap that on it. We'll decide. Yeah. <laughs> I've suddenly just got a spark to go in down the rabbit holes of thing. Like they show the results in the stock build. So he t- they test them with the Zip 404s, but they mm. don't show the results with the Zip 404s. Mm. 
to me, the data with comparing every bike with the 404s would be more relevant because you can anyone can just go and change the wheel set. I don't think it's fair that you're testing with the stock wheels and showing the results for the stock wheels, which is where getting access to all the data would be useful. So I could then choose to see that. And even like stock handlebars. So the van, the van, the last bike they tested was that Van Rice or RCR, the one that's going to be in the, the World Tour this year. And it tested quite competitively aerodynamically, but they sent it stock with 35 mil wide handlebars. That's cheating. So they, I think they should use stock handlebars at the same width. Because when I say, when we say, oh, the, the, this bike is quick, we actually mean the frame, really. Mm. So I think it should be done stock wheels, stock handlebars, if it was, if it was up to me. And, but well, well, they do do it with stock wheels. I just can't see the results for all the bikes. Yeah. Okay, here's my go. And <laughs> okay. again, this is wrapped in the this is wrapped in the Chris is bro science whatever. I've seen these comments about us. But what frustrated me was so I, I we talked about what are the, the 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 characteristics of a fast aero bike, and we we obviously that that Pride Two was um, sort of poster child of that with all the, the different sort of specs that he, that he brought up. And then we move on to the SL8 and it tested really fast and that was great. And I was trying to push him on well, what was that then because you've just told me that these are, the, these are the factors, these are the specifications of a fast bike in your tunnel, yet this bike that doesn't seem to have those factors is testing just as fast. Well, not just as fast. Well. Like 12 watts slower. Okay, but but certainly in the in the ballpark, and I would have loved to have just got a little bit more insight into into that. It just felt uh, no. Okay, I felt like he gave a pretty good like, and you can see he said good front tire, good tire to rim interaction, uh, deeper fork, deeper head tube at the front end, and clean, no cables. That's pretty much what the SL8's done. It doesn't have a and, – and, and there's aero seat post. He did – I mean, I thought he gave a pretty good okay. general explanation of that. Fair enough. I just felt there was a gap between highlighting what – I mean, what that Pride 2 looked like, what an SL8 looks like, and him saying that the engineers had done a really good job at making this an aero bike. It doesn't look like one. And on the other hand, saying that that's where the big difference is in the bikes because you asked him what, what, what wattage would you feel as a difference and we eventually got a number. Uh, but ultimately he was saying and that number is, is the difference between what is an aero bike and what is not an aero bike. But the difference between the Simplon Pride 2 and the S-Works SL8 was more than that difference he said. He said about 10 watts. Okay. The difference between those two, I think the SL8s, 210 or 209 and the pride to is 198 so it's in the you would notice a difference at a high speed category fair enough yeah i don't have another listen yeah i think i struggle to talk about it because we don't have anything new to add yes it's just kind of like we're putting the information out there you take the bits that you like if you want a us talking slop about an <laughs> s5 take that if you want super objective but arguably slightly misleading data, take the tour magazines test. Well, it's interesting, yeah. like the YouTube metrics on it. So our audience didn't tend to watch that video. Mm -hmm. That seemed to go to a different bubble, mm -hmm. which I don't know whether that says about sort of 
the regular viewers here or the the different pub. I mean, there's no doubt. Like a peak talk viewer would get around that. Mm. That's right down their avenue. Probably far more than just two guys sitting and chatting about how how I hold at speed. Yeah. Fair enough. It probably didn't need saying, but there you go. All right, guys, let us know down below. What do you think will be the trends on YouTube going forward and your thoughts on the Tour Magazine metrics? I'm not sure if you... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You would have seen this, Chris. It popped up on Pinarello's Instagram. They've done a collaboration with Zwift. So what they've done is basically just designed a Zwift um, paint-schemed Pinarello F. It's not even available to order. So they've commented here, the bike is not available to order. It's an exclusive production only for our friends at Zwift. So maybe they've painted some up and it will go to the office somewhere. I thought this was really cool. So it's December 15th. So the dud year, it's not dud year, dud time of the year with not much is going on. There's no new releases. How can we get some free... Promotion, well, let's collaborate with a brand that we, a popular brand, Go Zwift, distinctive brand too with the colors and the logos and also fun, you know, well-liked brand. Pinarello as well, same. It's got that frothiness. It's the silhouette of the dogma. They come together, do a custom-painted frame. It gets on Pinarello's Instagram 16,000 likes. <laughs> it looks really cool. Got me excited when I saw it. And it's pretty much cost them nothing because... For all we know, it never even got painted. They've just done it in the design the studio. I like the blue. I like the blue on the inside of the uh, chainstays. Yeah, that's very cool, actually. I wonder whether this will appear in the virtual world. Like this is this is yeah one of mm -hmm. your bikes in your garage. That's also what they could do, which would also cost next to no money. So I just thought it was really smart. Like good. For all the people that like Swift, it's kind of nice for Pinarello and, and both ways around. Uh, two friendly-looking brands, frothy, pretty cheap to do. I thought it was cool. We don't see many collaborations yeah. really in cycling, do you? There's not. It's a, pretty, it's a pretty rare thing. I suppose, I don't know, like especially two cycling brands. Mm. Like that's very rare. I know Attacker did that collaboration recently with, was it Kappa? It was Kappa. Yeah, that was a, like a football brand. Um, and obviously EF did that one with Palace. So you see the kit brands do it a bit, but the actual hardware stuff doesn't really happen that much. Yeah, and I like that it was keeping it within cycling because it's more relevant to me. I know all the cycling brands. I don't really know Kappa mm. or Palace or Paul Smith. That 
I didn't know from from before. So seeing two brands collaborate, I thought was really cool. I'd like to see more of it. Did anything come to mind? Like what collaborations you'd like to see? I, I, so the big one for me is the sports nutrition companies because mm-hmm. they are generally heavy on marketing, heavy on branding because that's how they're selling. I would love to see like a Morton X Rafa release. I, I would get excited about that. It's two brands that are relevant for me. I think that'd be cool. I reckon a, I reckon a Morton S5 would be quite nice or a beta fuel, a beta fuel giant propel. <laughs> I yeah. could get around that. Well, and Morton like, and Yumbo work together. actually make it look like yeah. a – yeah, I know. I thought yeah. about it. Yeah, you, that you've really you've done some yeah. – and you'd, you'd actually make the bike look a little bit like the gel type thing, like the wrapper. <laughs> Get me around that. Yeah. No, I could, I could, I could do that. Envy, anything envy, NVX. Mm. Uh, what are those shoe brand you wear? Nimble? Envy mm. branded Nimbles in. Envy branded helmet in. What about Oakley integrated bar and stem? <laughs> yep. Because okay. then you could get the big O on the integrated bar and stem and yep. maybe like. I don't know, you could have like a lens somehow in it. Oh, no. Uh, mm, no. <laughs> or actually, Oakley wheels. Yeah. That would, that would make a little bit more sense. Okay. You could do like an Oakley Envy collaboration. Mm, or, oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. So you could get the wheels plus then produce the glasses with an Envy branding yep. and you could have your glasses match your wheels. There you go. Yeah. How are you yeah. talking? Following on, are we done with that? Yeah. I think we're done okay. with that. Yep. Okay. Random in a pro cycling stuff. And this is – this. Kind of comes out of nowhere, but I've been listening to some of Lantern Rouge's uh, pre- previews of the teams going forward, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the way they kind of start the chat is sort of what the team's called uh, and the sponsors and the brands that have come on board or left, et cetera, et cetera. And then they both have this little to and fro about, I suppose, what not, not financially, but what the new sponsors – mean in terms of support and brand awareness and just not to overuse this word, but like the frothiness of the team, right? Yep. So, for example, when they talked about uh, Decathlon AG2R, the, the, the tone of the conversation was very much that bringing on a, ba- a brand like Decathlon was really cool. Like it was, there was, it was like adding an authenticity to both the team and the sport that a big sporting apparel brand that is well known, is well received, is, is involved in the sport. But it's therefore more likely, you're more likely to follow a team called Decathlon AG2R yeah. than you are Citron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Would that, that ring true for you? Like, and obviously the flip side of that is like, so... Something like Visma Lisa bike, like yeah. that. Put put aside the the absolute, all the equipment, everything, the riders. It's just like top top end, but it's like zero when it comes to snee stees mm-hmm. of the team name I, I, and the brands that are involved in it. Now I'm trying to. Go, I'm going through the team names. <laughs> yeah. Um. I wouldn't have thought it moves the needle for you. That that would be my No, no, so I'm going reverse. I actually think the gregarious, outrageous team names and sponsors are the best, like Tinkoff, Saxo Bank. I 
I think is cool. Um, what are some, like the ones that don't do it for me are the, like the telecommunications things like the Movistar, even sort of like the Intermarche, Wanty thing, nah. But like just big, ugly, Tinkoff Russian bank. Yes, <laughs> like that, <laughs> that's got a bit of something about it. Um, if we're talking, if we're talking froth, um, but also just things with an identity. Yeah. I mean, UAE team Emirates, I mean, hate all you want. Like it knows what it is and you know what it is, even if you don't like it. I think that definitely helps too. Oh, you think that helps? Yeah. Okay. Oh, I, I don't think... See, I would totally disagree with an idea that people are going to like AG2R more because it's got decathlon in the name. Well, maybe it's a thing in because we're in Australia. Decathlon is like big W. It's like rebel sport. So what's it's got no froth. It's got no. It's got no brand loyalty. It's got no. It's so forgettable for me. I disagree. Yeah, I disagree. I, I think that it's – well, okay, yes. I, I know in France it's huge and it is it is the place you go for sporting goods. And I think that's so much more relatable and interesting and I'm, I'm willing – and I know it's a multi-million dollar corporation, whatever, but I can so much more get around that than some state-owned oil – country money team. Like even though, I don't know, the, the funding's probably coming from certain locations, whatever. But, yeah, I, I can I, I definitely. Mean, you can say that, but you will remember UAE team Emirates more than. Well, that's because they win more. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't. Okay, so it's the naming right. Decathlon AG2R Le Mondial team. So what, what were they? They're, they're saying that because it's got decathlon in it, it's more friendly and people will get more, will buy into it. That was the tone. Well, I'm not going to put words in the boy's mouth, but that okay. was certainly that what was, I gathered. That's what you okay. Yeah, and I agree. I mean, I, maybe I jumped to that conclusion. Okay, but I certainly felt like, and then that got me thinking. Like, you know, how cool would it be like if Reebok or something it was, you know, you know, Reebok Trek or something? Like, I could, I could, I feel like that would make. Yeah. Okay, I'm just trying to get my head around. So, the, is the idea that if you had a team with, let's say, three naming rights sponsors, you would put the friendliest one first, like uh, Jayco Alula. Mm. You put Jayco first because it's a friendly caravan company and you put Alula second because yes. it's a tourist destination in the Middle East somewhere. Yes. Which is That's in, not a, great in, example, in, in a western side. It's like it was Lululemon Alula. That's a good, <laughs> that's a good team name actually. Yeah, Lulu Alula. Okay. I reckon that would. I reckon that would cut through more. I mean, you know, Lulu probably aren't particularly interested. Okay, what what I would uh, what I'm getting at is I think being memorable is more important than being liked for a team. Like having just some big ugly Ineos Grenadiers. Yeah, people aren't in love with Ineos, but name well to Ineos, it it just sticks. I I, I feel like that's. I mean, I get the point. I'm just saying, like, to me, the more memorable teams are just the big, ugly, rich ones. 
Yes, even and I would if, argue even that's if because you don't like they win them. more <laughs> and therefore you're going to remember them more and they're, therefore they've, they've probably got contracts no, well, that last so, so, for longer. So now quick step. Totally Iconic. forgettable. Iconic. Just we, 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 forget their name we went back week. and forth for five <laughs> minutes a couple of months ago. Going, what the hell is that team called? Like Sudal Quickstep, forgettable. What if it was Ferrari Sudal? Get me involved. Where do I sign up? Actually, me, no, I, I shouldn't socks. say. No, that's a bad thing because Ferrari is, it, that would be more in your side. What, what I'm saying, what if it was BHP Sudal? Hey, that's not, that's not, you've taken <laughs> yeah, that. that completely the wrong route. <laughs> I'm trying to sell you cool retail sports store outfit and you're pushing me on coal. <laughs> how, how did we get here? I'm telling you, what you're saying is nice. I'm just saying, I think the, the bigger the name, the more it sticks. I agree. I don't disagree with you. I, I you know, there was the rumours that Amazon were going to be involved. So where would you – that's massive. Oh, That would yeah. be huge. Huge. Right? Massive. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know what – I think we're debating about what company slash brand fits the Chris Miller pigeonhole of cool, likeable, accessible, but has buttloads of cash that's willing to throw at pro cycling – Whereas you're just no, saying, well, the problem is decathlon is in both categories. It's friendly and relatable, but it also is worth a lot. Mm. So they kind of make well, not them. I'm not like trying to, you know, make a point. I'm just saying, you can say that, but they also have a. It's also a very recognisable name, so it works from both angles. I'm mm. saying, what if it was recognisable, but people didn't like it? I think oh, it would okay. still be just as effective. That's kind of what. It's more the fact that it's recognisable than the fact that people like it. Can I try and make my point? With another example? Yeah, sure. Okay. Alperson de Koenig. Mm. Alperson shampoo. Mm-hmm. Friendly, relatable. It's just not that big a name. No, it's not big. So you would only remember Alperson de Koenig because you're a real big fan of Vanderpool and mm-hmm. Philipson. Yep. And that's my point. I don't think that that does much. Being sponsored by Alperson does much for the team. No, I agree. Okay. But that's not, that's not big. It's not decathlon. Yeah, but I've, unless I'm remembering incorrectly, the original point you made was that having a well-recognized, friendly brand gets that buy-in. Yeah, Alpha's not, not well-recognized. No, but it's, it's so but niche. It's friendly, but it's, it's that yeah, sort okay, of, it ticks it's the, got that box. Whereas I'm just saying but being well-recognized could be anything. It could be, yeah, an oil company, Ineos. I mean, that's, that's my point. I mean, the, uh, yeah, that's just what I'm saying. It's just a well-recognized brand. Whether you like it or not, it's going to work. Just want to quickly say, you know, one of the other podcasts that I've been listening to recently, just, just let me look at the camera for this real quickly. Cycling Fashion Weekly. They'll know why I said their oh name. Supposedly we didn't say their name, so I got in trouble for that. Oh. It was, it was all, all good gestured. Um, so the, and they made this really good point about the decathlon kit and why – we don't like it is the same reason we didn't like the Jayco kit from last year is because that baby blue just ain't work on bike kits. There's just something about it. It just fades off into the distance mm-hmm. and is particularly unlikable. So yes, it was the baby blue that, and they're right. Like when I looked at it, I was like, yeah, that's exactly the reason not to mention just the fact they've resorted to black bibs, which is a bit sad. Cycling's a funny sport. I'm on the list of teams for 2024. All the well-tour teams, well-known, 
Everyone knows them. But in the pro team category, which is the next rung down, oh, there's a couple hanging in for dear life here. You'd have to think they're going to have to move along soon. Um, Uskatel Uskadi. Mm-hmm. They're still around. Yeah. Well-funded Basque team. No, I disagree. Great team. The, last, the, orange, the orange carrots. Last result they got. Regularly getting results in that Spain. Use. Next, definitely keep them around. Historic team. Okay. So former writer Sammy Sanchez, love them. Team Novo fact, Nordisk. I had their jersey at one point. Okay. Team, Novo Nordisk. Yeah, forgettable. Move on. Yep. <laughs> Sorry. Now, remember, they're up against, in the same category of team, Uno X. Mm. Oh, mm. not even close. Burgos BH. Purple kits, Spanish. Road FSA group sets last year. Let's see if that mm-hmm. continues. No, they've they've produced a couple of good riders. Oh, I've got I've got I'm holding I'm holding firm on Burgos. I'll get a welter welter start, no doubt. Bingol WB. Yeah, Bingol, uh former team of Bas Titama. Um good solid yeah, Pro Conti team, fluoro yellow jerseys, iconic. Yeah, we're talking results. <laughs> iconic. <laughs> Actually, Tour de Titema will be in there. They're in they're there. They're a Pro yep. Conti team. Yep. Yeah. TDT Unibet, yep. they're in there. Equipo Kern Farmer. Green jerseys. Yeah, Spanish. Last result. Not a great name for a cycling team, though. We're talking about cycling teams and uh, Spanish heritage with certain operations. So, yeah, probably do without them. Don't I don't remember their bike. Okay, I've got one more. Mm. Corotech. Yeah, Italian team. They're one of the teams that has like 600 sponsors on their jersey. Um, yeah, they're all purple team, I think. Purple jerseys? Purple bibs maybe? They ran those uh, Giacoppi bikes, I think, that, um, yeah, unique Italian brand. They'll get a Giro start. No. Fully supportive. Get me on board. I'd run. I'd run. I just all find those it kits. crazy. But Great kits. All those teams. Not to. Oh, I don't know if I want to go here. I mean, I'll do it anyway. It's expensive to run a team. All those twenty riders are getting paid salaries, mm-hmm. minimum salaries too. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can pay them five k a year. Like you're running a whole roster of riders and staff. What to float around the Giro? Well, this what? is this and to is, win. The only races they win is in Asia. This is where I really hope. The Tour de Tiedema stuff, they do really good content around this because I'm fascinated by it. It's this middle rung of cycling that I don't know, there must be so much work going into this. The rewards must be so small. You'd be hanging on by a thread budget-wise, 20 riders minimum to pay salaries of. Like the logistics of this to get all that around, man, like – yeah, I'm. I'm really hope they do some some good content around it because I'd love to know how it happens. Not that it's necessarily the team's fault either, because in a lot of these races they're going to, they're up against the World Tour teams that have eight times the budget. So there's only so much they can do. So I, I part of me does feel bad for them. And then you lose your best yeah. riders. Yeah. I mean, that's the. Yeah, I mean, even at our level, we saw that as soon as one guy would get one or two results early in the year, you're like. Ugh. Well, we're going to lose them. Mm. Yeah. And so it's, yeah, this is where I kind of thought that 
um, transfer fee thing could really help, but it's not really moving the needle for for anyone that you're able to to get those get riders coming through. And now you've got the other thing that's really hurting these pro conti teams now is so many of the world tour teams have the development academies. So it's it's yep. sucking those those riders out of there. And if you look at those rosters now, they are filled with kind of journeymen a lot of the time, you know, just trying to pick up a few UCI points here and there to potentially move the needle for the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tough gig. Yeah, it's 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 not easy. Um, it's just yeah, it's just interesting when you when you when you realize the the money that's and work that's going in to support that for for pretty mediocre results. It's just fascinating. It's 2024, Jesse. New year, new kit for me. That's what you got to do. That's this is this is the angle. Everyone just releases mm-hmm. their what do we call it? It's like their 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 new team announcement. It doesn't even have to be a new team announcement. Just the the 2024 announcement post on Instagram. Yep. And mm-hmm. it seems to come in a variety of types. Mostly the sort of pro cycling one is clearly images that were just snapped at the the winter training camp a couple of weeks ago, put on embargo, and then hit January 1, bang, out they all come. They all do seem to feel very uh, the same. Like I look at Primoz's one. Have you got Primoz's one there? Let me bring it up. Let me look at Primoz. So classic classic Primoz style, he's just staring the camera down in his new kit. Oh, jeez. New year, new me. Okay. He's just Just business with a little tongue tongue out (laughs) emoji. All right, so that's that's sort of one angle. It's just pure business. Moving on, next step. Now these were obviously sometimes preceded with the like, thank you, farewelly type ones, mm-hmm. maybe last week or something like that. He's missing the key thing with that post though. Mm-hmm. What's that? Well, the bike. Mm. Isn't that what we all want to see? We want to see our favorite rider looking really strange on a new bike. That's pretty much all we want. You know the one I'm actually hanging for. Where's Dylan Johnson's? We mm-hmm. had this big smoke and mirrors. Can't oh, it's all hush hush. Can't say no, big things are coming. Can't say, Dylan. It's Wednesday the third of January. <laughs> we're, we're sitting here. I've, I've been refreshing Instagram hourly. I want to know what is Dylan Johnson doing next year? What team's he on? Is he privateering? Did any announcement? Did any announcement post hit your feed and you went, "Whoa, that's something. That's interesting." My my only one was the Jayco Alula bike kit release. They've really the gone sort for of it. Yeah. Ready. I mean, yeah. Okay, we've just decided to now completely look like Ineos, seemingly. You reckon that looks like Ineos? Um, going that route. It is a bit, isn't it? Yeah. The women's team love posting with um er- Erska, don't they? Mm-hmm. It's funny that. I know it's. I don't know about it. It's like, surely she's not like their most popular, like their most uh, winning rider. I don't know. Th- these things are all fine. They've, uh, I know everyone's got to do them, etc. It's just unfortunate that it just hits like a tidal wave and everything kind of gets forgotten in that sense and it all becomes annoying. Like if, the, if this was somehow, maybe this is what Dylan's doing. Maybe he's, he's letting the hype <laughs> die down and he's yep. going to hit us. Midway through January with something because oh. yeah, I mean, at this point, it's just it's just a total tidal wave of this crap. I get excited for it. I don't Are think you? it's crap. Yeah, I love it. I'm in a little bit of a <sighs> bit of a funk when it comes to Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't dislike it. 
I realize limitations on the on the platform. Um, but in terms of the actual, I don't, I don't, and this is kind of the opposite to Strava almost. I don't go to Instagram for content anymore. I go there for like the community, which, yeah, I, I find, so the, the content side of it just passes me by. And I don't know whether that's just, I've seen all there is to see about going out and doing a bike ride and it being photographed. Mm. Yeah. Don't you find it more personal though? Like who are you a fan of on YouTube, for example? Who do you follow? Pick, pick one. Mitch Boyer. Mitch Boyer. Let's say Mitch uploads a video once every two weeks, but you can't have a bit of a fan, so you want to follow what he's up to because you, you like watching. Wouldn't you follow him on Instagram and look at his stories and, and get that? Wasn't it good for that? See, that's interesting because you've taken it the influencer route. So I, I'm going in there to get, get a view into my favorite influencer at the time, whereas yep. Instagram never really was that. It was like people I knew a lot of the time and what they were doing. Whereas right. I, I hear you and I think you're dead right. Like I do feel that that's the direction it's taken and I know that I'm a part of that um, and I know people use it for that. That photo that we were taking the piss out of last week with me next to it, I counted almost 770 DMs I got after posting that picture. It's not that that's bad, that's cool, but like from my perspective as someone trying to actually consume content on the platform as well, that doesn't interest me. Like I'm not going to DM Mitch and ask him what his BMC is like. Maybe, maybe I'm just yeah. I think no, but that's I, I get where you're coming from. But I think that's how most people. In, that's what they love it for. Like mm. if you want more Tate Pagacha, he's not on YouTube. Not doing much on Strava, so go follow him on Instagram. I still think it's. But it's become the yeah. playground of the influencer for you. Not that that's a Seeming, bad thing. No, it's, no just, I think I would saying. say that because I don't – I got nothing – like I don't have personal like groups on Instagram with friends or family. I don't ch really chat with anyone on there. Yeah, it pretty much – yeah, it pretty much is that. It's just – it's almost – it's kind of like YouTube in a different format for me. Like you go – I'll go on there – yeah, to look at influences or, or, or brands or – but that's where you want – I'm waiting for all the update posts. Mm. That's what I want. I want to open the Explore feed and just have every pro rider, YouTuber, influences. here's what I'm writing next year. Like that's so – that's – Coil yeah, just it satisfies yeah, that India. Good. Okay. All right, that's us done this week. Jesse, thank you very much for your time. See you next week. See you next week. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.